for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Tech Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we have a special guest, a reoccurring guest on the podcast recently. That's right, it's Sam Kuyper Jr., who is going to be talking draft with us specifically uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so if you want to talk general draft, Please go back to, what was that, like two or three weeks ago, we talked about the draft as a whole. It was actually a really great cast. It was like three-hour pod, two-and-a-half-hour pod. Mm -hmm. Um, It was crazy. A lot of great content there, so please go back to that to check that out. Today is going to be specifically the Kansas City Chiefs signings. we got a lot of great players coming in, maybe some diamonds in the rough. So Simon Simon Kuyper Jr. Sam Kuyper Jr. is going to break down all of that for us today. Sam, how are you doing? What's going on, man? I'm, I'm doing great. I, you know, appreciate that the the Fountain City Sports fans and probably you guys needed a little bit of a break last week to talk about the schedule, which which I enjoyed. And although I didn't enjoy the more Lions hype and more Viking slander, so you know it is what it is at this point. But I'm happy to be back on with you guys. What what did we exactly say about the Vikings? I forgot. And I like truly forgot. Um, honestly, you, I I think you guys were pretty fair um, talking about how bad their defense was, which you know with with Flores, um, we'll we'll see. But um, it, you, it was pretty much a pretty quick W, and I was like, yeah, I know the Vikings are probably going to lose, but who knows? It's loud in U.S. Bank Stadium. It's fun. Also, the the whole. Um, I thought about asking you guys if you could go to one away game, where would you choose? Um, and I figured, oh, we're going to choose Lambeau because it's historic Lambeau Field, the home of the Green Bay Packers, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, man, I'm used to that also. Yeah, Reese. Well, actually, this is a great Reese. How are you doing? And then Reese, what uh, what away game would you go to? Uh, first off, first things first, we're going to put a pin in the Lambeau thing. We're going to come back to that in just one second. Uh-oh. But. Armando and Sam, uh, you may recall that a couple months ago we talked about Fat Tire turning into a wonderful Blondale over New Belgium. Mm-hmm. So I need to initiate a cold snack cake back on New Belgium Brewing Company. Uh, have we been sleeping on New Belgium just because they're a macro craft brewery? I mean, I've probably been to New Belgium like more than any other brewery in the past three months, right? So I would say no, but I'm curious why you're saying this now. Dude, I had I got a mix pack because I'm into mix packs right now. So I got like an eighteen dollar New Belgium mix pack. I had two different hazy Voodoo Rangers, which were both superb for being mass produced hazies. Way better than hazy little thing. Way better than Space Camp or all those other guys. But then it also had a Paloma Sour, which tasted like a Paloma, Ooh. and it also had the newly rebranded Fat Tire. So this past weekend, I went on a nice long bike ride with my father-in-law. As you can see, I got the cycles in the back wall right here. You know I always keep that sure. thing on me. And after the ride, I thought, well, why don't we put the new rebranded Fat Tire to the test and have it after a nice long bike ride and see how it hits. So I have to say, this thing is crisp. This thing is clean. It doesn't have any of that weird kind of like sulfury skunky nonsense you get on kind of, you know, golden ales or American pilsers or stuff like that. So, I'm going to crack one open right now and enjoy it during this podcast in honor of Fat Tire and the Cold Snack Take Back for New Belgium. Yeah, I feel like I feel like macro beers have um, 
uh, ironically caught up with micro beers and like how they make their hazies, how they make you know regular regular IPAs, just West Coast IPAs. Because I um, at the which is funny. Sorry, I have so many things in my head right now. The Paloma Sour is not at the tap room in New really? Belgium. I was just there like two weeks ago. Mm. I did not. I didn't see any sours. They've they've shrunk the list so much in the tap room that has been upsetting. But at the same time, I wonder if it's it makes it that much easier to like mass produce a great beer, right? Like I you mean, only have three hazies. You only have I don't even think they have a West Coast IPA, um, and then you only have like a couple lagers. Therefore, like you have variety, but you also can mass produce in like a quality beer, like you know the Voodoo Ranger series. Yeah, I I was hoping the Voodoo Ranger 1985 was gonna be like haha old school old school IPA, but it wasn't. But it was still really good for like I said a mass produced hazy IPA. So I gotta get some more New Belgium catalog in my life. This dude, as you can see, is see through crispy and delicious. And also to answer your question, I would rather go to Lambeau Field for the stadium experience. I'd rather go to the Vikings game if I wanted to have a good time that weekend and like check out Minneapolis again. Yeah, because what are you going to do in Green Bay? Nothing. The answer is, is absolutely curries. nothing. They've just, yeah, they just announced that they're hosting the draft there, and it it could be fun. But where are all of those people going to stay, and what else is there to do in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Dude, so. It could be bad in Green Bay in April too. That time of year, I mean, potentially. Here's a, a, a pro tip: it's always bad in Green Bay, <laughs> and, and you can take that to the bank. David, David's punching air right now. Mm-hmm. He probably is, and he should. Yo, hold on, honestly. hold on. Aaron Rodgers calling into this call right now. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got some stuff to share. Speaking about Aaron Rodgers, my answer would be Met MetLife Stadium against the Jets. Really, it's a really freaking good game, dudes. I mean, not the stadium, not uh, not. I was going to say New Jersey, not the Meadowlands, but Sunday night against Aaron Rodgers and the best team, one of the. Oh, Maybe the best team in that division. Ooh, sign me uh, up. The, the Bills slander continues from last pod, dude. I mean, I, if, I saw and, a photo of Dan and I'll go further. Like I'll some, go further. I didn't know he had a mustache. I'll go further with my take. If Tua is healthy, the Bills are the third best in their division. Oh man, did you? I'm out. Did you see Tua today though? He's he's looking he looks uh, good. Yeah, he's pretty look at thick. That. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, man. He's like to a chunk of Iloa right now. <laughs> oh, yes. I like that. But, also, the correct answer, by the way. Oh, sorry, Armand. You go no, ahead. I was, was going to say, but if he learned how to fall down because he has a jujitsu ju- instructor, then yeah, right. Josh Allen is going to be a figment of our imagination. Continue, Sam. The, the, <laughs> the correct answer, by the way, for where you would want to go is Germany. Right. Oh, Think about yeah, all the I beers guess. you guys could have with with the Deutsch. So yeah, that's a um, good point. Actually, that feels that feels like cheating a little bit. But and then you could see to a would you say Chungalaiboa in in in, in person? That'd be great. Heck yeah, and we can meet his trainer, Jujitsu Smith Schuster. <laughs> all right, that was funny. Uh, uh, because you all enjoy this podcast, because of Reese's wit. Um, where Reese, where where can they donate on this pod, um, and where can they find us on social media? Man, if you want to donate to this podcast, you can check out patreon.com backslash FCSM for outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, including the recently posted Speedy and Angry 
installment of Fast 9, I think it's called. Fast 9, the ninth main canonological... I can't talk right now. Main canonological film in the series. Uh, Alex Nikolinko and I just went and saw Fast X over the weekend. Have you guys seen that yet? No. You're asking the wrong guy. I I I do not worship at at the at the altar of Vin Diesel. Dude, it's so zero calorie enjoyment. Uh, oh. So we we saw it on Saturday and we came back and immediately recorded uh, the Speedy and Angry Fast X. So keep an eye out for that, Patreon subscribers. Uh, but if you just want to follow us on Instagram, we'll take an Instagram follow too. Uh, just so long as you're not like an Instagram bot, you know, we'll take Instagram bots too. Come follow us at Fountain City SM for previews of this week's episode, as well as spicy, delicious memes. Excellent. Thank you, recent Carnet Bach Lesnar. Um, great. So why don't we go right into the podcast? we got a lot to talk about today. Um, this podcast is going to be Sam Kuyper Jr.'s um, heavy um, or Chunga Vailoa, should I say. Um, so Get let's get right shirt. into it. <laughs> yeah, we should put that on the shirt. Chung, I don't even. I can't make up something right now. That's witty. While Sam sol- soliloquies elegant, elegantly on Felix Anodike Uzoma, I'll think of something witty. Um, so the Kansas City Chiefs they selected with the 31st pick in the first round, Kansas State University defensive end Felix. Sorry, Felix Anodike Uzoma. Sam, tell us about um, Felix. Let us know how he fits in the offense and what we should look forward to in Kansas City. Yeah, when on on our draft recap, we touched on kind of what I thought his strengths and weaknesses were. And just to recap that, I think that he's um, a good pass rusher just all around. Is he great at anything necessarily? You know, I don't think his, his get off off the line of scrimmage is um, elite. I don't think his bend is elite. Um, I don't think the, the weight in his hands is elite, but I think it's all good, especially his power. So I think what you're getting is, um, a, a, a grinder, um, a guy who's going to, um, be a contributor and a solid, reliable playmaker that really that's, that's all you can ask for, um, for this chiefs team that I, I think when we look at them, we say, Hey, we don't need this defense to be an all timer. Obviously it would, it would, it wouldn't hurt if this defense was just locked and loaded every single year, like the, the two thousands Ravens or something like that. But um, if you're good, you have um, a, a quarterback that's unfathomably good right now, leading your offense. Um, so Uzama is going to, come in and be a guy who contributes pretty early. I think that can get into that rotation. Uh, I think he could play potentially rushing from the inside. Maybe if they wanted to, to be a little bit creative and, and see um, if there are other spots along the defensive line to put him in, especially in pass searching situations. So um, he's a physical player, uh, mostly power, I would say. And I like the pick for them in that spot. Reese, what do you think? Uh, you know, we touched down on this in the draft recap episode a few weeks ago. I'm not sure we pick Felix and DK Uzama if yeah. we don't have the draft in Kansas City and have to give the mob a first-round draft selection. But I do think he'll pair nicely, and he's another weapon on that defensive line that is a little bit thin from top to bottom. He could be a nice compliment, a nice son to George Karloftis' moon, whereas George Karloftis is very high motor and low athleticism mm-hmm. overall. Uh, 
Uh, speaking of which, he's doing jujitsu right now with Chiefs legend Tom Bali. I don't know if That's you saw that. That's true. Yeah, I did see that. It, okay. it looks sexy. But the flip side to that is that Felix Adedike Uzama is a high motor, very athletic, but overall probably low skill fundamental guy. So the two will complement each other nicely. Meanwhile, hopefully we have Chris Jones returning to wreak havoc up the middle. We have some other additions on this roster we'll talk about later on. But I think that Felix, again, is he worth a first-round pick? I think beauty's in the eye of the beholder. He's not a bad pick. Is he worth you know a potential like second, third, and six we maybe could have gotten in a different draft by trading down? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, it really brings up a good point, kind of what we said, like you said in the last week's pod, where we definitely reached for him. Uh, one argument, though, I feel like a lot of pass rushers were going off the board quicker than than we had anticipated. Like, I was hoping that Will McDonald was going to drop to the end of the first round, and he was like 12 or 14. Um, so old old McDonald had his farm in in the middle of the rounds. So I think I think the Chiefs wanted a pass rusher, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with Frank Clark. And what I'm hearing is like we still could make a deal with Frank Clark at some point before the beginning of the season. Um, so I think it was just it was a nice it was a nice um, hole to fill for the Chiefs, and I think we just had to do it. And I mean it was like him or like Keon White at that point. The Patriots took later on in the second round. So I definitely prefer. Felix uh, something we didn't talk about is he has really long arms so it, so he's great in the swim move he's really good at getting around the edge and winning around the edge uh, yeah he doesn't have the quickest motor but I feel like with those long arms he has good balance like he could be able to get across the edge a little bit better than what Karlofta was doing like like Karlofta was always like a second slow to get to the quarterback where I feel like maybe Felix might be able to um, so we'll see I, I'm very excited but I kind of agree with all three of you is that maybe he's not a first round talent uh, but a high two, so like whatever. We was at the end of the first round. Um, Sam, as a Vikings fan, when you when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, how afraid are you of a of a D line that has Uzoma, that has Karloftis, that has Chris Jones? Um, I'm not uh, scared to death, but they're a good team. They're going to be solid across the board. Um, so especially when I have. Uh, a quarterback that isn't very mobile um, with a guy like cousins. I'm always more scared of the interior pass rush, which with Jones still there, it's still going to be a problem. Um, So I think it's um, like I said, a a really solid um, to, to build up front. I always like going in the trenches. That's where you win and lose a lot of these games, um, particularly, um, you know, maybe if Mahomes isn't on a heater, which he usually is, but just in case, it, it certainly helps to have um, the ability to win up front. So I, I think with with Felix, it's more just kind of like what you guys are saying. Was he a little bit of a reach? Maybe. You know, you look at the other edge rushers that were in that range. Um, you know, Miles Murphy from Clemson is kind of a, a plus version, I think, of what Felix was. And he, he did drop, but then the Bengals pounce on him, um, which I, I, I do think was a really good pick, but again, power length, uh, maybe not the, the bend, uh, that you want from, um, your past rushers. And then another guy that I thought that they could have potentially looked at was BJ Ojolari, which is more of the speed rusher type, which would, would give you something different, but maybe the way that, that, 
uh, Reed and Spags that they want to build this defenses with um, with power up front rather than uh, speed off the edge. So and Spags, yep, yeah, is built different. Um, great. All right. Cool. So uh, we'll see what happens with Uzoma. This the our second pick of the NFL draft is is probably my favorite, and this will be fun to talk about. Uh, in round two, the fifty fifth pick of the NFL draft was SMU wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Sam, tell us about Rasheed Rice and how excited you are um, that he's going to be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. I guess maybe not yeah, I really like. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I really, I really like Rice. Um, he was kind of in that middle group of receivers that you could say, oh, we're, we're picking this guy. And I'd shrug my shoulders and say, yeah, I, I totally get that. He, he was in that middle group where you could move him around and I'd understand. And when he got picked, I remember texting the group chat. I was like, oh, you, you finally got kind of your big body receiver that you want. And, and Reese immediately was like, what are you talking about? He's only like six feet tall. And that's true. But when you watch his tape, he is an excellent uh, pass catcher at, at the catch point. He high points the ball very well. He has ex, uh, excellent vertical uh, leap ability. So he's going to be a guy who can go up and get it um, when, when you put the ball in the air and he can go and, and make a play. So uh, I also think that, you know, with a lot of those guys, you worry that they're going to be possession receivers. Um but but rice can he he looks for yak he he's he has that um on the mind when he comes up with the football so i i like his hands soft natural hands good pass catcher you don't necessarily have to worry about um uh you know drops other than the occasional focus drops i think can sometimes be a problem um and you also i think that the the only other thing about him is just the top end speed uh you know i had him in kind of the same range as guys like trey palmer and i had trey palmer higher mm. for two reasons one is because palmer is a burner um that i really like his top end speed and and how the rest of his profile rounds out and the other of course is because palmer went to the university of nebraska sure. so um I really like the pick. Uh, I think that he has to shore up some of those focus drops, shore up the consistency, and also carve out a role for himself because the Chiefs have basically said, hey, the the cream is going to rise to the top in this receiver room, and we're going to let the best players play. We have a a really young group, and whoever can come in and make plays for us is going to – to, to play and we're going to invest in that position to give Pat options. But um, yeah, he's, he's going to still have his work cut out for him in that receiving room. Reese, what do you think? You know, I'm still not huge on, a, and this isn't just a sand thing. I'm seeing this in a lot of places too, where it's like, here's the chief's big body wide receiver. Dude. I just saw a video of Quentin Johnson catching passes from Justin Herbert. And I'm like, gosh, dang, this guy looks even bigger than I thought he did. So now they got like a third redwood to throw to in that backfield, which is <laughs> it's unfair, unfair. So here's my thing. Here's my here's my qualm. So I'm going to list you two players. Each one is six foot one. Each one is listed at 203 pounds. Each one is listed with nine and a half inch hands. Each one has one has 32 and three quarter inch arms. The other has 33 inch arms. So a quarter off on those arms. Who's the other wide receiver I'm talking about, you might be asking? 
None other than our good old friend, Demarcus Stepback Robinson. Oh, boy. Demarcus Robinson is not a big body wide receiver. Don't not compare a she rice to Demarcus Robinson. I'm just saying, if we're going to talk How about size, you. dude, I want me. Where's my Victor Wembanyaya? Where's my six foot nine, like four two four, eight hundred inch Victor, wide receiver? Victor Wembanyama would be crushed in half if he played one NFL game. Dude, you, t- you take a helmet to the knee like right away. Sure. It's so painful. Sure. Uh, no, okay. So my real take on Rashi Rice. I'm not sure I like this one. I I think this is someone we could have waited for, and I wasn't thrilled that we traded up for him, let alone that we traded up, I think, the very next time we had a chance to draft pick again. So uh, I'm not saying there was a wide receiver on the board that I'm like, we should have traded up for that guy, but I just don't like trading up for Rashi in general. The other, this is kind of a superstitious kiss of death. You know, Patrick can do next to no wrong. But one of the few missteps he's had was back in 2020, and we had, again, a very end of the first round pick draft, or draft pick, and they said, what do you want, Pack? And he said, get that running back from LSU. And it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And what was the case with Rashi Rice down at, you know, Pat Mahomes' John Gruden training camp, or whatever it was called? He said, go out and get Rashi Rice. So, you know, he's not shooting great right now in terms of picking players out of the draft. Uh, but as Sam alluded to, Rasheed Rice is really good with contested catches. How much of that has to do with skill versus not being able to get separation off his routes is remains to be seen. But, I mean, he looks like a hard worker. He checks out with a pretty good RAS athleticism score, which we'll see a lot more of as this draft goes on. I think he'll get playing time. I want to see him get playing time. And don't get me wrong, I'm rooting super hard for this guy. But I can also say I'm not sure this is how I would have gone with that second-round draft pick. Hot take. I think Rasheed Rice is going to have a better season than Sky Moore. That's not a I hot think, take. That's very possible. That's a, that's a hot I've, I've been hearing so much Sky Moore hype this offseason. I'm just like, really? no one. Yeah, I've, I've heard, I'm like Arrowhead. Well, yeah, I will name him. Arrowhead Pride talks about him a lot. Really? Um, 6'10 talks about, you know, Sky Moore. This is a season going to pop off. I'm like, everyone's forgetting about Rasheed Rice. I'm very excited about Rasheed Rice because I think he really fills a hole that we need. Like, of course, um, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantley is tall, but he never he never was our like contested catch guy. Like he was definitely the guy no. that just like ran, and then Pat's like like always overshot him because he thought he was going to be somewhere he wasn't. And then sometimes he'd be great, but he was never yeah. that like one on one guy. Not that Juju was that guy, but Juju was maybe the closest to being a one on one guy that we had. So with Juju gone and Rasheed Rice here, I think that Rasheed kind of fills that hole where Sky Moore does stuff very similar to Kadarius Tony. Like the things that Kadarius Tony is going to do is like what Sky Moore should be doing. And as long as Tony's healthy, I don't think Sky Moore is going to see like, you know, he, he's, he's going to get time on the field but but why not just give that to tony and then create a role for rasheed rice not that he becomes juju but give him some of that juju role give him some of those contested catches give him some of those you know that yak ability that he has like you guys talked about he forces misses he's got great transition speed i mean i'm super excited uh, about him and before we finish on him here's a quote from Payne manning about rasheed rice 
He's the perfect the perfect receiver. Whoa. He has speed, hands, incredible route running, and can find the soft spot in the zone. He's the Whoa. type of player that's a quarterback's best friend. That's high praise. Says it all. How can you, how can you argue from, from the Peyton the Manning, sh- you know? The sheriff has spoken. Dude, okay, now I'm, hold on. Yeah. I'm smoking the peyote Manning, and Rasheed Rice is going to be a star. I I'm, I don't disagree. Well, I'll vamp while Reese is looking something up. I'll, to to another point, um, kind of contributing to what both of you guys are saying. Um, while Rice is not necessarily huge, um, there really weren't that many guys in this class. I know we've already talked about that, but Rice, if you're talking about the the most natural high point um, contested catch player in the draft, he's probably the best one in this class. So he might not have the the kind of size that we usually associate with those guys. But um, I think if if that's kind of what they were looking for, in addition to being polished everywhere else, I I, I think that they they okay. did just fine. This was interesting. So Peyton says that about Rashi Rice. You know, our boy Marvin Harrison was – Marvin Harrison Sr. Uh, was also a pretty big-bodied wide receiver right. at six feet tall. So Rashi Rice has an inch on him. So, you know, I'm just saying if that's good enough for Uncle Peyton, you know, that's good enough for me. Reese, Reese has changed his mind. Rashi Rice is going to be a Hall of Famer in two years. Dude, Rice are roaning me up. Let's go. <laughs> While Reese chomps up his rice aroni, let's talk about the third round pick, the 92nd pick in the NFL draft offensive tackle from Oklahoma. Wanya, I think. Wanya. Wanya Morris. Wanya Morris. Um, actually, before we talk about that, I, I had one question for Sam. Sam, uh, sorry, let's backtrack. Let's just keep this in. Just know that we're on that wide receiver train with. With a wide receiver depth class or a wide receiver class of MVS, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, um, Justin Ross, John Ross, are is, is Ross, the Chiefs yeah. wide receiver room the deepest room in the NFL? Maybe not the best, not the best, but is it the deepest? I, I, right. I'm I'm low to say it's the deepest. I think that that they've they're doing the right thing and that they're just taking lottery tickets, right? They're like, Hey, maybe this one hits and the odds that it does are high when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Cause all these guys are going to look 10% better than they probably actually are. So I don't know if I would say the, the deepest, you know, again, I'm biased. Stop talking to me about receiving classes. Cause I'm going to say Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the league. Jordan Addison is going to lead all rookies in receiving yards. Uh, he's a plug and play player. KJ Osborne is one of the most consistent and reliable wide receiver threes. Um, uh, I mean, I think Jalen Naylor for the Vikings also could surprise him. So, so that's a little bit of, of my own bias. And also, again, I know I talked about the Bengals already. Great. This podcast, great, I great talked about them before, but they're, they're really good. They, I, I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but they not only did they get Charlie Jones in this draft to add to their, to their crop that they already have on the roster uh, with Higgins and Chase and Boyd, but then they they got the Princeton kid again. I I don't want to try to pronounce his name. I'm going to mispronounce yeah. it. Andre yeah, something something. Yeah. I something like that. 
Um, and he was a sneaky guy that I liked and thought maybe he could be a late round flyer. And I think he was an undrafted free agent or maybe a later pick. So Cincinnati, I would still say is, is up there as well. But again, the, the chiefs are, are building out their receiving core by doing what you guys had talked about. And that's instead of investing in one receiver, it's diffusing that money across different options and, and seeing where they can hit Andre Iosivas. Is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. I just made it up. Sounds yeah. right. Well, you say he's a heptathlete, right? Who? Eosivas? Yeah. I am actually not sure. I think he was back at a, he was at Yale, right? I think Princeton. Oh, Princeton. Yeah, he's uh, an Ivy Leaguer. They're all the same, right? They're all the I, same. Harvard, Schmarvard. Well, yeah, what's well, our... I mean, <laughs> Go ahead. You say that... You say that, but what if I told you that the Chiefs had an answer to that guy in the form of our good friend, defensive end Truman Jones, so we have our own Princeton, uh, or not rival, uh, Ivy League rival to throw at them, and guess what? Our guy has 13 tackles for a loss to go along with six sacks and was also called a menace on special teams. So he ain't afraid of no ghost. You can't pass it to a guy when this guy's planting you in the dirt. I mean, fair enough. You know, I I, I respect um, Fitzmagic and everything he did for Ivy Leaguers and, and great beards. So, you know what? I, I cold snack take back my Ivy League hate, at least on the football field. We will uh, we'll have to table that conversation, and maybe during the summer we can sure. do like best Ivy, top ten Ivy League athletes ever. And I'm sure that'll Dartmouth, be a fun, what's up? a fun podcast. Yes, shout out Dartmouth. Let's do the list. Other let's do the list and leave Jeremy Lin off of it. Oh, the disrespect. We okay. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> stick to stick to oh, football. Yeah, I'm not ready to, to defend my boys. Oh my. <laughs> Anyway, so the third round, there was a guy named Wanya Morris. Uh, Sam, what do you think about offensive tackle Wanya Morris? I like Morris. Um, I, I, I think that they were wise to um, bring in a vet to come in and play offensive tackle. Um, so the plan, correct me if I'm wrong, right, is to play Taylor at right. And then was mm-hmm. it is it Penn? Is that who they signed? Donovan Smith. Smith. Okay, I was thinking um, Donald Penn. Which, Donald Penn, yeah. Right. So so Donovan Smith at left. I think that's that's probably a smart call. So with Morris, um, athletically, he has all of the tools you want. He's got um, one of the longest wingspans in this class for offensive tackles. Um, he's He's got quick feet. Uh, but really, it's his, his problems with technique, with leverage, um, he, he just has some issues that he, he has to, to iron out, um, some minor off the field concerns too. Um, I don't know if those will necessarily persist and they're not, um, huge, I guess, but just some question marks with Morris that I would feel a little anxious going into the season if he's your starter. So, um, grabbing Donovan Smith, I think was a good call. Um, Taylor uh, also will have more time to learn the Chiefs offense before they decide if they do end up wanting to to move him over to left. So um, Morris has the, the the frame and the athletic traits to be a starting NFL tackle. It's tying it all together. It's working on technique. It's figuring out how to um, 
to be a, a, a bona fide pass protector in the NFL. So that, that will be an interesting one to watch. All right, Reese, what do you think? What do you think about Wanya Morris? You know, I think it's only fair to point out, which has been beaten to death, at least around Kansas City, that he is named after uh, Boys to Men member Wanya Morris. I mean, li- literally, not just coincidence, he's named after the guy. Okay. All right. Uh, Didn't know that. Now, here's the unfortunate thing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and listen to the Boys to Men catalog <laughs> in honor of getting Wanya Morris. And I'll tell you what. I'm a huge fan of 90s R&B. I can list you off a laundry list of people. Boys to Men, unfortunately, is remarkably mid. Mm, I no. really wanted to the like it. The hottest take Dude, in I mean, Reese Talbot history. Their best song is Motown Philly, but like every, every other song they do is just like a slow R&B jam. Like a little uncomfortably descripting making love or wanting to make love to someone. I mean, that's every song. So uh, their bass is good. The bass in that group is very good. But overall, uh, I got to give that a C grade for boys to men. Wow. Now, Wanya Morris, the offensive tackle. Let's talk about him a little bit here. Uh, he is anything but mid. He goes to the recent offensive line factor that is Oklahoma. And here's the thing. Double your pleasure, double your pain. Wanya Morris is playing the game. He is former teammates former teammates of both Oklahoma center Creed Humphrey as well as right guard Trey Smith. Mm-hmm. So he has rapport with both of those dudes, which is incredibly exciting. Wanya was a left tackle at Oklahoma until being uh, he was dethroned. I think it was late in his junior year. He moved to right tackle, but again... Oklahoma's a powerhouse. They put who they want at left tackle because they have, you know, a bevy of riches. I'm kind of with Sam. I think he's going to take a back seat this year behind Donovan Smith to kind of learn how to play left tackle at the NFL level. Uh, He doesn't do well with leverage. That's well documented. He could probably afford to throw another 5 to 10 pounds on in the weight room. He's 6'5", 307. Not quite as big as you want to see your left tackle these days, but again, big wingspan to make up for it. I'm optimistic for this dude, and now finally it feels like we have some depth at the tackle position. Donovan Smith at left, Wanya Morris is his backup. You got uh, Juwan Taylor at right tackle with Lucas Niang probably as a swing backup. I think there's talk of Prince Tegawanogo, you know, as a swing back or like triple, what do you mean, a third string backup for either side. And people still want Darian Kennard as a backup tackle. I don't see it. I think his feet are too slow. But we got a lot of horses in the stable now. So hopefully, knock on this fake wood, we never have to see a repeat of the 2020 Super Bowl ever again. That'd be great. Um, Sam, I have a question for you. Footwork and things like leverage, sure. are those things that are talent-based or are those things that uh, people can develop professionally like in the nfl or is that something if you have it you have it if you don't you don't no those are techniques um you, you know learning to to play with leverage i mean obviously some people are born with natural gifts that, that let them use their leverage their weight their power some amount of power and leverage is inherent in every prospect but there's other stuff that's just more about technique it's about um positioning yourself, using your feet right, using your body right um, to 
transition the power that you do have to successfully, you know, hold blocks, open holes, yada, yada, yada. So there's certainly, they're they're fixable. They're they're fixable things here, um, which is, I'm sure, why the Chiefs were okay picking him because obviously, um, you know, if you have a Tracy guy with um, no technique or a guy with, fewer traits but great technique those are two sides of one of the same coin but what you don't want is a guy with neither so they're taking a a a lotto ticket on on his ability to grow and and i think that it's it's a it's it's worth a shot at the dartboard and like reese said at the very least you get yourself maybe a swing tackle um that if you get in a pinch if you get in a super bowl against tampa bay where you're like holy crap we're in trouble now um, we have injuries piling up that he's a guy who can come in and just not be a liability. Um, so I, I, I think that his, his ceiling is relatively high given his, his, uh, athletic skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about Morris because I, I do feel like the footwork and the leverage is something that can be fixed, especially when you got a guy like Andy Heck and you got Andy Reed there helping out for an f- entire year. Um, so very excited to see his development there. And of course, like you said, with his arm length, that's something you can't teach. And that's something that he has, like you said, 35 inch arm length. And one thing we didn't talk about with him is that he he's really great at blocking in space. Um, and he's really good at finishing in space as well, which is something that you really need as a chief offensive lineman with, you know, Patrick Mahomes running as much as Lionel Messi, right, in a soccer game. So it, it would be right. I, I think this is a really great trait that he has. I don't know if it was like the best in the draft when it comes to blocking and creating in space and fit. Sorry, not creating in space, but finishing and blocking in space. Um, so that's going to be something really interesting going forward. Um, especially with Donovan Smith maybe playing one year. He's young. Donovan Smith's only 29, so mm-hmm. I don't know how long he plays with the Chiefs, but say he only does play that year, we start to figure out, can Juwan Taylor transfer over to the left side? Then we could have Wanya Morris go on that right side with a year of you know technical improvement. Um, I'm pretty excited, and and even if he doesn't go to the, that, you know, even if he doesn't start this year or next year, like Reese said, it's great depth. We need depth right now, um, and they really prioritize that in the third round. So yeah, I'm excited. We'll see. I'm more excited about Rasheed Rice, but this is going to be pretty fun. Great. Let's do one more, and then let's go into the beer review. Uh, so in the fourth round of the 119th pick, we got Virginia Tech cornerback Chamari Connor. Uh, Sam, tell us about Chamari Connor. Yeah, he's. I'm not sure if he'll end up playing corner or safety. I've seen him listed as um, both on various sites. I think his probably where he's going to end up is is nickel. Um, so I, I see him as a, a very versatile athlete. Um, he's got quick feet. He has good play recognition, and he also he he has some highlight hits too. If you look up some some. Uh, highlights of him you'll see him blowing dudes up but the problem with that is I think his tackling technique which is one of my main gripes is that he does uh, a lot of these um, these great play recognition he'll read it he'll go to try to blow it up and he'll throw a shoulder in to try and make a big play but if in the NFL you try that on Derrick Henry you're going to bounce off of him and he's going to steamroll you for, for 25 yards. Um, the, the shoulder tackling is just not going to work as, as well in the NFL. So 
um, getting better at wrap, wrapping up, getting better as a more consistent tackler, I think is going to be uh, really, really big for him. But um, he comes with, at, at the very least, he's going to be a good special teams guy. I watched a few of his plays as a gunner, and um, he was he was um, very efficient in that role. So uh, I like him. I think that he has a chance to grow into a, a slot contributor in your defensive secondary. I think he has the requisite um, mental capacity and um, physical agility in the back to, to make it as a nickel corner potentially. All right, Reese, what do you think? I think this guy's our Juan Thornhill replacement, to be honest. I'm like Sam. I'm not sure he's going to see playing time right away, especially with the safety room suddenly getting very crowded this offseason, as well as having dudes that, again, you know, like uh, Legereus Sneed, they can switch over and play that safety position if we need. But, you know, I'm looking at the physicals here. I'm going to go back. Juan Thornhill, six foot, 205, with a 31 and 1 eighth wingspan. Chamari, six foot two oh two with a thirty-three and three-eighths wingspan. They definitely have a type. Uh, they both have great athletic scores. They both aren't the best at pursuit angles, as we saw with Juan Thornhill over the last few years. I would say the big trade-off is, as Sam alluded to, uh, Chamari's not afraid to hit, which is great. I think Juan was always a little reticent to kind of lay the lumber on some dudes. I think the trade-off on that is I know that Chamari does lack in some ball tracking skills. Uh-huh. Whereas one of Juan's strengths, almost to a fault sometimes, was he was an excellent ball hawk. So, similar bodies, different players. I'm just happy that we finally have depth at the safety position and we're moving farther and farther away from the days where it's like, our safety group includes Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, and kind of Dorian O'Daniel. Oh my gosh, dude, get me out of that nightmare. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm i'm glad to piggybacking off you great depth he's athletic he he ran a 4-4 uh one thing we didn't talk about that i really like about him and that he, he's a spags guy is that this dude if we see him on the field in in the first year it's going to be because he's going to blitz the quarterback i think mm-hmm. i think he he comes in as that secret safety that's going to you know play that legerious sneed role that's going to play that oh, justin reed didn't go to the quarterback too often but I kind of see him in that Legereus Sneed role where he's, he's going to be trying to get to the quarterback. He played great coming downhill, um, to, but to Sam's point, not great tackling technique. But that he's great downfield, great burst. Um, also, he was really good covering tight ends, which uh, is also a, a, a Legereus Sneed kind of feature there and something that we need because a lot of our guys can't cover tight ends. I mean, we only have like maybe a couple of guys that are really good at that. And, and when you're playing in the AFC where you got guys like Hayden Hurst, Reese's favorite tight end in the NFL. Like you got to be favorite. able to match. You got to be able to match up, man. Hayden Hurst is NFC now, though. I know. Where's Wait, he at? Who picked him up? He, he's in Carolina oh, now. Is. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Oh my god, dude. Hurst, Mingo. Oh, dude. That, that's like Kobe. That, that that that's Kobe Shaq right there. Yeah, <laughs> Thielen's Robert Ory in that mix, and no, wow, he'd need God. rings in order to do that, and we all know he doesn't have those. Blah, blah, blah. Oh man, does that make Derek? Does that make Bryce Young Derek Fisher because he's short? 
are we we're not getting into the the, the bryce young it conversation some, it, here it makes bryce young adam morrison because he's gonna I, start crying in the middle it, of the field <laughs> if i had to take shots every time our group chat popped up with some meme about how small bryce young looked i would probably too not small. be here today so uh, uh too small did you wait? Okay, to to go into the beer review. Did but did you see him take that snap that that uh that uh, video that I sent? I mean, he looks he looks twice as small as his offensive line. Like even more than someone like a Kyler Murray. Dude, yeah, he looks like when you're playing Goldeneye sixty four and someone picks odd jobs and you got like Jaws on the other team. Dude, it's just yeah, but he size he, he looked like that at Alabama. He looked the same, and he he lit. I don't know this. He looked tiny, tiny. Okay, well, I guess we'll see. I'm a Bryce Young believer. I'm I'm on record uh, with that. So you know, we'll his, we'll see. And and his helmet looked like um, what's a um, Rick, Rick 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 Moran's in uh, Spaceballs, and he has the oh, helmet yeah. on. Oh. Yeah, like Darth, Darth I mean, when like, when yeah. he when he took that snap, I'm just like, man, that helmet is like three times his head height, and it's like four times his body weight. That's so funny. Your Mitchell Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And with that, let's go right into the beer review. Wow, I didn't think that we would go from Chamari Connor to Adam Thielen to Bryce Young to Rick Morans, but here we are. That is found in City Sports Media, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you in a bit. Let's go grab a beer. Hi, it's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. This is Armando Siri. Oh, I'm God. talking to you right now. No, that's that's basically what happened. <laughs> Siri almost led us into the segment. And if if you enjoy Reese doing ASMR and being Siri, please donate. If you donate $20 a month, Reese will be whoever you want him to be. AI Reese, let's go. Yeah, dude. Chat GP Talbot. All right. Yes. So it's, uh, <laughs> hey. it's the beer review segment. Uh, Armando is going to review a delicious beer for us this week. Uh, we're going to review a little bit differently. We're going to go down to four categories because, you know, we decided aftertaste just wasn't carrying its weight. So... Armando is going to review a delicious beer with four categories being appearance, aroma, flavor, and mouthfeel. Each one grading it one to ten, one being repug, ten being fantastic. And Armando, which beer will you be gracing us with today? All right. Today I'm going to be reviewing Prismatic, or Pris, no, it is Prismatic. Prismatic from Ninkasi Brewing from Eugene, Oregon. Wow. I've never heard of Ninkasi. Yeah, I guess that was a lot of words. That's yeah. Sick. Yeah, do they have an NIL deal? What is what does prismatic <laughs> mean, Sam? What? What is what does prismatic mean? I, f- I feel like you studied that at law school. Um I did not study prisms in law school. I apologize. Nice. Dude, Nebraska, man. You got to get your money back. I I guess so. I'll I'll send a call to the dean, ask what's up. I didn't learn about the ins and outs of this brand. I can tell you, I mean, some some of the most famous <laughs> prisms on Earth include the Hadron Collider has a prism. Uh, the cover of Dark Side of the Moon is a prism. I was gonna say, uh, yep, that was the one I was. Sailor doing. Moon, I think, in the third saga has some sort of transformation prism. So you know, there's a lot of prisms that are famous in pop culture. Hmm. Leavenworth Penitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, pr- prisms. Le- Leavenworth <laughs> prism. All right. 
<laughs> Let's crack that bad boy up. Anyway, this is a hazy. <laughs> Here we go. Well, while Armando is cracking that bad boy open from Eugene, Oregon, this is a reminder to go check out Flyover Sports, a sub stack from our boy Sam Kuiper Jr. over here. Uh, it's getting pretty juicy right now. No pun intended with that IPA, but the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 <laughs> might dissolve. The ACC might go full. Uh, what's it? Not flight. The Magnificent Seven. You yeah, know? Magnificent Seven. Uh, what's that thing about with the 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 story about the British kids stuck on an island and they put that like head on a pike and they talk oh, to the it? Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, they must go Lord of the Flies. So Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically so armando let's get reviewing this beer all right so we got appearance first right and um appearance doesn't look very hazy it actually looks kind of west coasty mm-hmm. um the head retention is great uh, the carb is great I, I see thousands of bubbles coming up and pretty fast so that's always promising but it, it's pretty translucent actually as you guys can see there i mean you can see right through the glass and this is supposed to be a juicy um so i'm curious as to what it's going to taste like because normally for juicy ipas it's they're pretty thick non-translucent a little darker than this this is kind of a nice golden a light golden brown so um that's weird how about a 7.5 okay 7.5 is a good grade in that appearance so then aroma it's a juicy hazy ipa but do they say what they hop it with They said what notes I'm going to get out of it, but not the hot profiles. It says notes of citrus, tropical, and dank. How do you have notes of tropical? Uh, Southern Hemisphere hops, you know, your your El Dorado, your uh, Motueka. I think it's just so, it's just such a vague term. Yeah, it is a very, very broad stroke, all encompassing thing. So. Let me see. Oh, I, I do have the hot profile here. It's um, dry hop with mosaic, Simcoe, and Cairo hops. Cairo. Man, everyone gets a hop yeah, name these cool. days. Hey, did we get a Fountain City Sports Media hop? The FCSM like 107 hop or something? We should. So if you donate on Patreon, not only will Reese do whatever you want, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> If you donate $100 a month so we can get our own uh, hop from, from Yakima Chief, yeah, dude. then Reese will do whatever whatever you want him way to do. Way cooler than adopting a highway. Way cooler than putting someone's name on a star who's only going to dump you after prom. No, dude. We're going to name a hop. Okay. <laughs> How many cups funny. of coffee would that be? Cups of... <laughs> <laughs> well, these prices nowadays... For only, for only 50... That would be 50 cups of coffee a week. 50 cups of coffee, man. So yeah, for only fifty cups of coffee a week, you could you know get the own Kansas City Fountain City Sports hops. That's a deal. That's a bargain. And in addition to Reese doing whatever you want, Armando will drink fifty cups of coffee one week as part of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't feel too good, guys. <laughs> like what? Like even if we, if we did like little like Italian cups, you know, like the little espresso size mugs, yeah. you do. About like 50 of those in one day, you die. Seven of those in a day, yeah, you die. Okay. Sweet. All right. Next category, Armando. The most important category is flavor. What does that tropical beer taste like? Well, actually, we forgot we forgot aroma. No, we said did we just create aroma? But yeah, I didn't you say said, you said how does it smell tropical, remember? No, no, no. I was just reading that off the can. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> those were the notes that they presented. And I will say. 
that's quite tropical. Okay. <laughs> just just kidding. I don't I don't even know like it, tropical like what? It smells like a like a palm tree. Anyway, that's another I don't know. It's very citrusy, very orange riny. Not uh other than that, it's not very like sugary, not very sweet, and I can I can sense some of the dankness. Um yeah, those are those are the two prominent ones. Very citrusy and very dank. So how about uh, how about an eight point one? That's what it, that's what it should smell like. All right, to flavor, flavor. Wow. Uh, to preface this, I just had another hazy IPA, so I could have some of that still on the tongue. This is very dank, and maybe just like a little bit overly dank. Mm. Um, very bitter. I can tell that there is some sweetness to it, some like coconut, but it's but the the dankness is so overwhelming that you can barely taste that. It definitely tastes what it smells like though, because there's a lot of orange rind in there too, which is very sour. So it's sour and dank, which is fine for a West Coast, but for a hazy, I I, I take I take umbrage with that. I want it to have a little bit of sweetness to balance that, or else just make it a West That's Coast. That's fair. Um, so for a hazy, I'm not too happy. It's good, though. I mean, those, those, those are great profiles if you like them. So how about a 7.3? All right. 7.3 on flavor, then. All right. So our fourth and final category is going to be mouthfeel. It doesn't look too hazy, as you pointed out, but does that affect the mouthfeel inside to a boca? Yeah, it's it's very light, um, not very heavy, and again, uh, it's a good. That's a good indicator of a West Coast or like an American IPA. But again, they've labeled this as juicy, and I still haven't bought into that right now because of the lightness and because of the dankness and the sourness. You know, not having any balance of that robust sweetness. So uh, again, disappointed in in mouthfeel. But if that's your, you know, if you like those two styles then you would enjoy this IPA. But again, like when I sign up for a hazy, I want to sign up for a hazy. So how about a 6.4? Oh, man. 6.4. This beer is kind of... I'm upset. Yeah, it's struggle busting here. Uh, So then our fifth and secret category now is going to be Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. Armando, floor is yours. Freestyle on this beer. What are your final thoughts? First, can art's pretty cool. Um, nothing that represents a prism, though, so that's not cool. Um, but I mean, that's that's very nice. It's very tropical. Makes me think of the ocean. Um, there is no ocean in Eugene, Oregon. I've been there once. That was fun, but um, this doesn't remind me of Eugene, Oregon at all. Uh, again, like if they would have just taken the juicy out of the name and just set up West Coast IPA, I would have said this was a fantastic beer. But if you're going to label it this way, you're going to get me really excited. You're going to, you know, make me pay whatever 12 bucks for a six pack. Then I want to make sure that I'm having something I want to enjoy. Um, so it's not exactly what I signed up for still good flavor. I don't want to poo poo, um, Ninkasi Brewing from Eugene. I think you make a good beer. Just uh, label it something different. So how about um, Stonk's Drinkability Quotient? Not very stonky to me. Uh, but again, solid beer. Just a seven. All right. This Ninkasi is a bit of a nincompoop, unfortunately. But Armando, thank you for that fantastic beer review from a new brewer we haven't had in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Very cool. 
That's right. New brewery got it here in Colorado. By the way, unrelated, it is unlikely, if not impossible, to overdose on coffee. So please buy us 50 cups of coffee and I will drink it a Twitch in front of everybody. A literal Twitch live stream with Armando is drinking 50 cups of coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for Reese, do you remember the, the old, um, I think it was the Waffle Stop? Oh, yeah. In, in, in CF? Yep. Um, there was one time it just took a while for them to give us our food when I was there with 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 David and and my sister, and I must have had seven or eight cups of coffee before they brought it. And I was that's a while. I was, I was vibrating. I was about to ascend through the ceiling <laughs> of, of of the waffle stop in Cedar Falls. So so if that that's what seven does, I can't wait to see what what fifty does. And if you thought my uh, takes were hot about Bryce Young on one cup of coffee, just wait till thirty. Yeah, just, just imagine, and then forty. Oh beard in quite some time so that was fun to come back to it unfortunately not exactly the style that i would have hoped for uh, but we learned a lot during that segment you cannot overdose on coffee um which i find very fascinating so uh yeah find us find us on twitter find us on uh on patreon when you donate all that money <laughs> all right continuing on the podcast we got some more people to talk about and we have the time of sam kuyper jr that we cannot waste here so with the fifth round 166 pick. We got Stephen F. Austin's defensive end, B.J. Thompson. Sam, what does B.J. Thompson bring to the Chiefs? Yeah, so Thompson is is just an interesting player with his his profile. So uh, I believe he was uh, current Nebraska head coach's uh, Matt Rule's first recruiting class at Baylor. Um, didn't necessarily work out there. I'm pretty sure he had some, some issues. I think he maybe failed a drug test and, and, um, did not stay with the Baylor bears. Um, but he fits that kind of profile that Matt rule, uh, really likes. And so he went to Stephen F. Austin. Um, seems like he, he put together good enough tape here to, to get drafted. Um, so earlier when I was talking about, you know, how it it could be good for the Chiefs to go out and get uh, a little bit different flavor at edge rusher, this is that different flavor. You're talking about a guy who's fast, who's bendy, who can dip kind of uh, the, the shoulder when you're going around uh, the, the corner against the tackle, um, long arms. His only problem, I think, is A, those off the field issues. Um, I guess he also has the problem that he's um, 24 already. So you got those those two issues. And then his other is just his weight. Is he going to be heavy enough to operate in the NFL? So I like the pick. I think if you you toss him on the practice squad and hope that no one tries to to um, sign him off, then I think that maybe you can develop a guy who can be a rotational pass rusher, kind of a pass rushing specialist on on obvious passing downs that has really good bend um flexible um and and can come off the edge at, at a high velocity all right reese what do you think i'm gonna throw a hot take in this draft uh conversation right now 
And I'm going to say that B.J. Thompson is the draft pick I am most interested about in this draft. And I think he's candidate to be our 2023 Isaiah Pacheco adjacent. Whoa. Where it's like high quality athletic talent at a bad school. Now is the opportunity to stonk out with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so when I first saw we drafted him, it was on a, a draft ticker app. And there was some sort of error because it said we drafted linebacker B.J. Thompson. And I looked. And I'm like, in what world do we draft a 6'6", 240-pound linebacker? <laughs> yeah. Do we get that guy from Army? And uh, no, it just turned out he was defensive end. I don't, I don't know what they were, what they were on when they posted that. But I mean, it's, it's very obvious. You look at the dude. I'm like, this is a long, lean dude who should probably be playing a three or four position at some NCAA college basketball school. But I'm excited to see what happens when you do get him in an NFL weight program and you just force him to eat. Because I think it's very likely that this time next year we're watching OTAs or we're watching the preseason. And you're like, whoa, who's that mammoth? And it's going to be B.J. Thompson. And he's going to be coming out there at 6'6", 265 or something like that. So what he's got going for right now is that his athletic ability is RAS is, I mean, just straight up off the charts. I mean, off yeah. the charts there's that video of him like dunking a basketball and again he looks like he should be in the nba or something like that he's very explosive he's powerful from his hips kind of like we talked about earlier though with some of our other players uh like wanya he's gonna have to learn some fundamentals better right now he's just an athletic freak you know kind of an attack dog point get him go so give him some weights Give him some time, and I am really curious to see what this guy can look like in a year. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a lot about uh, B.J. Thompson, especially after rookie minicamp. Some were saying that he was actually the biggest standout after rookie mini, uh, minicamp uh, in Kansas City. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I didn't watch a lot of film with B.J. Thompson, but that is one thing that people were bringing up is that this guy looks great. I mean, on paper, like you said, a little bit older, which also means he could be like a little filled out more. Um, so uh, at Stephen F. Austin, he was quick out of the four-point stance. He, he was flattened out pretty quickly. He, he's not too bendy, although Sam, you said he's pretty bendy. Um, I just didn't see a lot of bend in the film that I saw, but uh, he, he does flatten out pretty quickly, and he does have a good push and pull game, which can translate pretty well in the NFL. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited. I'm not going to go as far as Reese and say that he's going to be the like you know the next Isaiah Pacheco or maybe the next Trey Smith, uh, but yeah, some uh, another great depth piece for Kansas City especially if we don't get Frank Clark back again I don't know what's happening there I feel like we have a lot of depth in the interior but when it comes to the edge I feel like Kansas City doesn't have a ton of depth so we do need to rely on a ton of snaps from Karloftis a ton of snaps from Uzoma um, and again I don't know what's going to happen with Frank Clark um, so it's a great great addition for the Kansas City Chiefs um, yeah I'm very excited to see what happens all right. Speaking about things I'm excited for, I'm actually more excited about this pick. Uh, Six-round pick, 194th uh, pick in the draft, uh, defensive lineman Keandre Coburn. I said that right, yeah. Keandre Coburn from Texas. Um, I've seen a lot of hype on this guy. Sam, tell us about what you think about Keandre Coburn. Yeah, so uh, again, we're, we're ebbing and flowing from... Uh, opposites here with Kansas City along their defensive line. So we just talked about maybe the long limbs, but 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 skinny, narrow frame. Um, Coburn is certainly not that. He's a big boy. He's hefty. He's he's um, 
broad in the shoulder, wide in, in the, the hip and thigh. Um, you know, how much uh, is he going to be an interior disruptor, pass rusher? I don't know, probably not much, but I don't think that that's necessarily why Kansas City drafted him. I think Kansas City probably drafted him to get a guy who you can plug in the middle and just wreak havoc. So I think that he's he's good for that, but um, you know I do have some issues. He he's not like I re- referenced. He's not much of a pass rusher, um, particularly when the initial push stops. Um, just he kind of loses interest he loses motivation that can be a problem sometimes but he has a ton of experience playing in a power five conference uh and i'm pretty sure he played he was a four-year starter at texas that's that's no small thing uh for him so maybe he doesn't have the most explosive traits but um he's he's strong enough he's stout enough he's athletic enough to to occupy the middle of a defense and um, function in kind of that that plugger role. So that's kind of where I see him for Kansas City. Solid. Reese, what do you think? We get this guy to replace Kalen Saunders, man, by which I mean this guy is 6'2", 344, and he's as yep. wide as he is tall. I tell you what. No, uh, I know I've been comparing players all night. He is. He couldn't be farther from – Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders was wide as he is tall, but he could do a standing backflip, and he ran, I think, legit like a four-four-seven or right. something like that. So right. different dudes. What we got here is we got somebody to put in on those jumbo packages to like suck up offensive linemen, take the double teams off of Chris Jones, plug up rushing lanes and goal-to-go situations, and I think that's going to fit something we really haven't had on this team since, oh, goodness, who did we have at nose tackle even before Chris Jones was here? It blows my mind. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to having kind of like BJ Thompson, like more toys to play with on this defensive line, more unique personnel for when we have to pull out situational packages. I'm pretty happy with Keandre Coburn. I've, I've seen a lot of reports that he fell about a round or two further than they thought he would have been. Like getting him in the six is a bit of a steal. So Honestly, probably one of my more optimistically high-graded draft picks the Chiefs got this year. Yeah, I think if I'm going to say who's the steal of the draft, I think it might be Country Coburn. Um, and it's just piggybacking off everything that you guys said. Most importantly, like you said, he dropped in the draft. Um, to Sam's point, he's not a pass rusher. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good nose tackler. In fact, because he's a traditional nose tackler, that's why he dropped in the draft, because all these defenses are trying to find someone that's a hybrid, being able to do so many different things on the line, where Keandre Coburn can't do a lot of things on the line, but the things that he does well, not elite, but very good and very high grades, You know, especially being a great two-gap player, which is rare in college, having that quick first step, but like still being huge, being strong, being powerful, not necessarily explosive, but having all those attributes, even though he can't do a lot of the things that we're seeing defensive linemen do today, he has a very traditional mindset to it that, like you know, both of you said, he's very good at, at stopping the run, at you know, plucking those gaps. And I feel like 
that's something that Kansas City can use, especially with um, with that guy that we got from San Francisco, Charles Charles who is this hybrid, you know, defensive end. He's this pass rusher. Having that rotational piece where you know maybe we put Keandre Coburn in to stop the run, and then we can put Amenahue in and have that you know that hockey rotation that that Spags loves. I feel like this is a great plug and play guy to fill that role and to thrive on this defense. Mm-hmm. So if I have to put my money on any steals in the draft that Kansas City got, I'm going to put it on Keandre Coburn. Pretty excited. All right, let's wrap it up then. Let's talk about the seventh round pick, 250th pick in the NFL draft, uh, defensive back Nick Jones from Ball State. Sam, what do you got on Nick Jones? Yeah, so Jones, he might be a little skinny, but uh, as we're seeing more and more corners are skinnier. Um, you know, Emmanuel Forbes went in the first round and he was yeah. uh, paper thin. 165. But, right, right. So, uh, you know just a a solid player, a guy who has experience inside and outside, I think would probably serve best as uh, a press corner, um, a developmental press corner in the NFL. Um, It it was good that he, he ended as a second team all Mac player um, and, and seemed to make a big jump from 2021 to 2022. So he was playing his best ball um, before he, he went and got drafted Um, again, a special teams uh, contributor. He's he's had two career block punts while at uh, Ball State. So oh, I see that nice. Yeah, so that certainly helps as well. So um, as far as negatives go, he can get a little grabby, a little handsy with guys down the field. Um, you want to see him be a little more comfortable, be a little more patient um, when he is getting challenged downfield. But um, other than that. He, I would like to maybe see him boost his weight a little bit. He had some injury concerns that uh, followed him throughout his college career. Um, so ultimately, you're throwing a dart here in the seventh round. Um, you're you're trying to get a guy, but uh, you know I think that he's could could potentially develop into a guy who contributes on special teams right away and um, could start for you in a pinch if you really, really needed it. And he has versatility inside and outside. All right. Reese, what do you think? And, and did you happen to see his uh, his uh, interception he had in, in rookie minicamp? I did not see his rookie minicamp interception. How's it look? It's sexy. Yeah? It's it. I mean, I mean, I would pay... Two two dollars a, a a a cup equivalent mm. of a cup of coffee oh, yeah. to watch him have an interception every day. Dude, I'll drink so many scooter doodle lattes if we get that sweet sweet Patreon latte. <laughs> scooter doodle, what is that? Dude, scooter, yeah, scooters coffee out in uh, Colorado, right? Oh yeah, there's just but there's just too many coffee places. I don't I don't I don't drink at scooters. You'd be shocked the number of people when I was working at Starbucks that would like come through their drive through and be like, yeah, can I get a scooter doodle or a peanut butter panic? And it's no just like, way. what is that? It's like, oh, they can make it a scooter. I'm like, think there's literally a scooters in the parking lot shack across from us. Like, go there. Peanut butter panic. Yeah, dude. Like. Like, there's so much peanut butter, you're going to have a heart attack? Yeah, dude. Uh, coffee can't OD and kill you, but you can die of selenium poisoning from but eating peanut, peanut peanuts. Peanut butter's built different. Yeah, dude. Absolutely built different. Uh, Sorry, got off track. Nick Jones. Nick Jones. Uh, me and Mr. Jones, I think his thing going on is that he's kind of like Sam alluded to. He's A, super emergency <laughs> cornerback depth. 
and B, I think he's going to be a special teamer with Dave Tube. Uh, I, I don't see him making enough of an impact. I didn't see enough on tape to be like, this is guy who's going to be fighting for playing time, especially after we drafted three very competent rookie cornerbacks last year that are all returning and looking to take some yep. steps forward. So, uh, you know, the irony being that with the NFL passing that rule now that anything fair caught or like down inside the 15 or five or whatever it is yeah, on kickoffs goes to, goes to the 25. So it's like he's semi obsolete in those regards, but Hey, you can never have too many bodies. And you know what? Nick Jonas proved me wrong. Did you just call him Nick Jonas? I did. Nick Jonas, man. He's a Jonas. I knew brother. it. I knew it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. So he, he's the only guy that, that had an interception rookie mini camp and, and you guys have to go back and watch the video cause it actually is pretty good. Like he goes up for that ball. I think it's like a one handed grab. And even though it's, you know, he's probably gonna do that one out of a hundred times. It was pretty freaking nice. It's pretty freaking special. So you can tell he's 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 going to compete. Um, our our cornerback room is is pretty slim, especially having you know Joshua Williams, um, and what's the other guy's name? Wow, forgot his name already. And he was so good. Who's our other rookie? Joshua Williams and uh, McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Watson, Jalen Watson. There you go. Would you say? I said McDuffie. That was technically. Oh, a McDuffie. Rookie, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Of course, McDuffie. Not the other guy. Um, I figured that's yeah, not so who like, you meant, but I didn't know who you were talking about. So I just was going to name the rookie corner that I did know. Nice. And, uh, there you go. Now let's keep this in. This is fun. So we got three rookies starting, which means that we have a pretty slim cornerback room. So it is is it is nice to have Nick Jones, and he, he could see the field. We'll see. I mean, because Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, Trent McDuffie all had injuries, so, sure. uh, and and Lejarius Sneed, um, and and he definitely plays Spags ball, like you said. He plays press, like he's going to be on an island. Uh, good hands, good speed, always stays with the ball. So it'll be it'll be pretty exciting, but. Uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, so that wraps up the uh, drafted players. Sam, let's let's finish off the podcast. Why don't you talk about maybe just a couple of uh, undrafted uh, free agents that Kansas City got and kind of who you thought was a steal and who might be exciting to watch next year? Yeah, the one guy that I, I really liked them picking up was Cam Jones from, from Indiana. Um, Jones, you know, as a fan of the big 10, I was, was seeing Jones, uh, pretty regularly. Um, he's a really good linebacker against the run. Um, he, he's very quick to, I think, read and, and, and be patient watching how a play unfolds and, uh, his play recognition, it would be, would be pretty high. Um, he was, uh, certainly a leader on that Indiana defense, um, missed some games for injury, but uh, he he kind of stepped into a role basically as a coach after that. I think the the weaknesses that you're looking at are maybe his his physical traits. His his size is kind of average. He doesn't have um, you know elite play strength or or speed. Uh, sometimes uh, he gets overly aggressive when he's trying to read a play, particularly in play action. Um, and he gets uh, out of position. He, he bites um, and he leaves his his area, which exposes the middle of the field. So all that to say, you know, I, I see uh, a guy who's very smart, uh, who has, despite not, you know, overly impressive physical traits, he has the requisite traits to, to be a decent NFL player. Um, a smart guy who I think could carve out a, a, a spot in Kansas City's uh, depth chart to say, hey, 
I might not be starter material, but if, you know, Nick Bolton goes down, um, I'm a guy who's going to know what to do. Um, I'm not going to be the, the athletic freak that you're going to maybe want everybody to be as a starter, but I'm going to be able to know where I am. I'm going to be reliable. I'm going to be solid. And, and those guys can find roles in the NFL. He can find a role in special teams. He can find a role, um, as a depth player. So Cam Jones was, was the guy that, that I really liked from this free agent class. Reese, do you, do you have a guy that you've latched onto yet? I mean, I think Armand and I are going to talk about the same guy here, but Armand, if we open the floor and talk about the Narek Prince here really quick, let's go for it. The next Isaiah Pacheco. Well, so that's what I keep hearing. And I keep hearing that he, you know, he ran a four, four, one. He's a super athletic dude. He's a monster, man. I watched a lot of his game footage and I really wanted to see it, but like, he looks slow, dude. He's got slow feet. He doesn't have like any sort of burst. Even when he's going full speed, yeah, he's got a good stride, but I, I can't remember which games I watched. It was like against, I think it was Tulane and maybe like Ball State. Like, yeah, he ate their lunch. He looked pretty decent. But then when he played the decent teams, it was like Cincinnati and somebody else. I mean, he just got swallowed up and lost. Um, I'm, I'm going to be curious. I he kind of reminds me both in build and play style of a less athletic David Johnson. They both have that kind of upright running. It's not bad either. Yeah, it's, it's not bad, but David Johnson had that like foot speed and that initial burst. that got him out of the backfield, which dude Prince, I'm just not seeing it. But the important thing is I think he has good hands and he could make a very good bubble screen wide receiver or kind of like a short route pass catching wide receiver. Uh, he's got the body for it. So, you know, if he can pick up some pass blocking skills again, he's got the body for it. You know, th- this could be a useful addition to the running back room. I'm just not saying I see this potential freak the way that Isaiah Pacheco was this time last year. Yeah, it's fair. I, I didn't watch any of the games where he was playing like very good competition. I did watch his highlight reels and some other uh, another game. I think I watched the Tulane game as well. And like he's, he he was quick on those like great size. And for his size, he's very fast. He, he, he ran a four four forty. Um, and he plays well through contact, which is something that Pacheco does as well. And having not that like day one, they could be that one two punch, but eventually, and well, also, this is a side note that we can talk about on the next podcast. But CEH apparently is lining it up in OTAs yeah, right now. Yeah, so yeah. So that's going to be very interesting to see and how they juxtapose all that. But I think ideally for me, seeing you know CEH and not drinking that juice, it would be great to have Daenerys Prince make a, a, a like a role on the offense and to have that one-two punch of Prince and Pacheco. Like he, two young dudes built the same way, can play through contact, play rough and tough. Like I'd be very excited to see that. I just don't know if that's going to come to fruition because we're not hearing the same buzz that we heard in training camp from Pacheco. Like we knew before the season started that that Pacheco maybe was not going to be a star, but he was going to eventually start on this team where we're not hearing the same buzz, but we're hearing like, ooh, he looks kind of similar. Um, so ceiling would be great one-two punch, uh, but I guess floor would be maybe he's like the fourth option. But hey, he's undrafted. Who cares? Yep. Could be interesting. The last thing I want to say is I, I did watch his footage and I thought this guy needs to be our power back. Whereas people are like Pacheco's a great between the tackles power back. I'm like, eh, no, T- Pacheco's kind of like Pollard, to be honest. It's like that's a guy you want to like give a little bit of space and it'll turn it into like a mile. 
I think Prince is someone that it's like, yo, use this guy as our bruiser between the tackles. He's six foot over 205 pounds. No one's going to want to run up and hit this guy. We should get that Dalvin Cook guy. Where where's where's he at right now? Do you know where Sam? He's probably going to get cut here once we turn to June. So Yikes. I I did see someone say that he would be an interesting fit for for Kansas City, and I do agree. I think that if you're looking for even just a one year deal, I, I'm I'm thinking Miami is more and more remote. That was the rumor early on. He's from Miami, um, went to Florida State, uh, but they they spent the draft pick on the kid from Texas A&M who apparently has been lighting it up so far. So cook could be an option, um, which I would actually really like for Kansas city. Um, as long as they're not paying him what the Vikings are currently paying him because he's overpaid. And that's part of the reason why he's not going to play in purple next year. Probably. Hey, bring, bring cook over and the next year have cousins be uh, Mahomes backup. I would take cousins as Mahomes backup. You know, that, that you know be, oh man, look at that one-two punch. Oof. So, something tells me that Kirk would get paid somewhere else, but I mean, if if Kirk is the is the second ranked quarterback in the NFC, there's no way he'd he'd take a backup job at this point. Correct. Yeah, and I know, man. The more we look, and I keep telling myself, well, we'll see. Maybe as the season starts, some teams will rise up and and fill some of the gaps. But I look at the AFC. I was trying to rank them in my head and pick pick playoff teams and i was like oh well if i if i pick the ravens as a wild card here then i can't pick the chargers or if i pick the the dolphins as a wild card team then i don't get you know some of these other upstart teams like like the browns are really interesting Mm -hmm. um so it's and then you look at the nfc and it's like man the the vikings (laughs) could be the two seed again and, and cousins is gonna cook baby <laughs> and and maybe maybe they do i don't know with with the way that the nfc looks it's it's entirely possible so it's really a, a dramatic divide right now exciting times in the nfl especially for our boy sam kuiper jr sam thank you again for joining the pod you had a lot of great things to say we it's always a pleasure having you on tell us again how they can find you on flyover sports uh where where they can find your great content yeah, go find me on on Flyover Sports, my Substack. Um, some some good stuff. Hopefully, coming. Going to have a little bit more time. Recklessly speculate as to uh, realignment news. Um, how big are these conferences going to get? What's USC going to look like? USC also going through an athletic director change. The Big Ten media deal falling uh, into disarray. So a lot of interesting Oof. stuff in the college football season leading up to to kick off here in a few months i'm I'm very excited for it excellent well we're definitely gonna have to have you back to talk about all that in the summer as we love to talk about college in the summer as well um great excellent podcast thank you everybody for listening make sure that you follow us on all social media and um give us that 50 cups of coffee so i can drink it (laughs) and you can hear reese say some weird things in siri voice till then we'll see you next time go chiefs We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. 
Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 